Welcome back to the Weekly Stupid Podcast. This is episode two. Please leave a review and consider giving us a rating on whatever podcast service you are using. I'm the editor in charge of this podcast. In this podcast, I go over what our staff is currently working on, preview this week's articles, answer some submitted questions, and for the functionally illiterate, I'm going to read last week's articles. And now a short update on what our writers are up to. Poor Sarah had a bad week. She managed to get an article out, but after the failure with the Flutterbird test, she had to take a little time off. Ed has revealed that he is starting to contemplate running for some sort of political office. We're not sure where this is headed, but I'm sure it'll be interesting. Dr. Beekman is hard at work on his strudel video. He's had to go through many a strudel to get this video right. This week's articles discuss a toothbrush controversy that has people questioning whether they should use an electric toothbrush or a good old-fashioned manual toothbrush. In my article, I go over some of the problems that we're having with one of the most popular toothbrushes, the Quip. For Ed's article, I asked him to test the Quip for a couple weeks and give us an evaluation. When I talked to Sarah Jean about it, she refused to use any electric toothbrushes, something about the ozone layer and flutterbirds, and she went on and on. I kind of stopped listening. But she went ahead and put in an article anyway. I'm sure you'll find it interesting. For Dr. Beekman's article, I asked him to do some testing to compare the Quip versus a manual toothbrush and let me know his results. Strangely enough, Dr. Beekman understood what I asked and did some tests. I think you'll find it fascinating. For the questions this week, we really only had a couple. One was on Dr. Beekman's testing for the strudel, and all I can say is the video should be out this week. The other question we had was from at real Donald Trump. He asked if the Weekly Stupid could come and be his publicity team. Sorry, President Trump, we are an independent organization and plan on staying that way. We had the same question from another politician named Nancy Pelosi. Now for last week's articles. Last week's articles were over toaster regulations. I'll start with my article first. There has been a battle brewing that has not been seen the likes of since the Butter Battle Book. This is a documentary that I read as a young child. Two agencies in the federal government are trying to figure out which one is superior, the Consumer Product Safety Commission and the Food and Drug Administration. Although this battle has finally escalated to the breaking point, the battle has been heating up for years. As we the people give more and more control over to the government, these two agencies have grown stronger and stronger. There is a rumor that the movie Fight Club was really based on how these two groups used to settle disagreements. They would choose the greatest among their groups and have them fight to the death. The victor got to set the policy. Since the legislative branch has given up all responsibility of legislation, the agencies get to make the laws. Sometimes the EPA will step in, but they are, and I quote, a bunch of little girls. This battle is most evident on the ongoing toaster battle. The FDA wants the minimum toaster temperature to be 140 degrees. They feel the American people are stupid and the FDA alone needs to create the rules. The FDA believes that if they don't have the toaster set correctly, people will be dying at alarming rates. Currently, calculations show that 3.5 million people die every year devouring undercooked toaster pastries. I believe these numbers are directly from the FDA themselves. During the interview, I tried to explain to the FDA representative that people eat raw toaster pastries every day. 
The representative stormed out of the room, calling me a witch. That same representative came back with his crossbow and a MAGA hat yelling about finally getting to go on a witch hunt. I will not be returning to the FDA. The CPSC wants the maximum toaster temperature below 120 degrees. They believe that the American populace usually holds on to the toaster pastries while they cook. This is purely anecdotal after seeing an intern do this in the break room. The intern burned his finger to within an inch of his life. They are worried that an infant could get his or her whole hand in the toaster and probably burn to a half inch of their life. Their slogan is simply, support us or babies will die. In the middle of all this, the toaster manufacturers are having a tough time making toasters that meet both FDA and CPSC guidelines. The manufacturers have tried a couple of different attempts to stop the organizations from implementing the regulations. The first thing they did was send a pallet full of cash to each agency. This did not go over as well as it did in Iran. The next step was to send reduced iron cookies into the two government agencies. This also failed. It appears the government workers practically inhaled the cookies, hoping the drug would provide an escape from their useless occupational choice. Sarah Jean is currently trying to get the government to fund Flutterbird research, so she thinks this is great. She thinks that we need intelligent and competent congresspeople to watch over evil companies. She also thinks that the only reason big companies exist is to provide a service or product and collect a check. They don't care about who gets hurt along the way. She just wishes they could tax big business more. She feels that they make so much and the Flutterbird would only require a small amount to flourish. She calculated that if each toaster manufacturer was forced to donate 1% of their profits to her, she could add a couple more Flutterbirds to the world. Her thought was to find toaster manufacturers based on injuries. Since we all work with her, we know she has had her share of toaster-related injuries. She remembers once removing a bagel from the toaster and got a burn on her pinky. She considered going to the hospital, but suffered through the whole week. Luckily, she had a slip-on cast ready to go. She got plenty of sympathy at work. This was obviously before she worked for the Weekly Stupid. After explaining the amount of pain and suffering she went through, her co-workers believed that the lower heat regulations were definitely necessary. This next injury that she wrote about seems a little bit absurd, but I'm going to read it as she wrote it. She had a second toaster-related injury while cooking a pork chop in her toaster. It was yummy, but after a long night and a trip to the emergency room, she was diagnosed with food poisoning. This was not a complete loss for her, though. She lost eight pounds that night. It was better than her pudding diet. If you remember, she likes to add a lot of sugar to pudding and eat it, causes her to have a stomach ache. If she loses weight, I think it's crazy, but I digress. That being said, she thinks that the regulation needs to be high enough so this doesn't happen again. She is going to contact her stupid and confident congressperson and badger them until these regulations are in place. She does not want to be responsible for dying babies. Ed is definitely against regulations. He thinks they're awful. The greedy, evil senators need to stay out of our business. Ed's uncle was once selling broken TVs to underprivileged children. A couple of short Americans end up in the emergency room and regulations start flying around. They said they were just interested in saving children, but we all know it was about padding their pockets with blood money. Ed writes that he has never been injured by a toaster. He did an extensive study on this issue, called a few friends, and they agreed with him. So pretty much anecdotal. There is no need for a toaster or any other regulations. The government needs to stay out of people's business. He can't believe that they're even concerned with toasters. 
He doesn't know anyone who uses a toaster. Hello, 1985, you can have your toaster back. He uses a microwave for everything now. Is there anything you can't cook in a microwave? The other day, Ed did have a small issue with his microwave. There was approximately an inch of gook and grime on the spinning tray. When he went to get his Salisbury steak out of the microwave, it stuck firmly to the tray. It would be nice if microwaves were self-cleaning. If you've seen his office, you would understand. He wonders if he can get a mandate through our good senators to require microwave manufacturers to have them self-clean. The more he thinks about the health of our world, the more he thinks that a mandate is a good idea. He can only imagine that it would take a monster to not support this proposal. A mandate is much better than any regulation. Now, last week's article by Dr. Beekman led to the question about the strudel. That'll be brought up in the article. He did some testing, didn't end up testing the toasters, ended up testing pastries or something, but here's his article. We asked him to look into the standard deviation between the sear factor of flesh, or a burnt pinky, versus the weight loss due to bacterial discharge caused by zombified antibodies. In other words, getting sick because you didn't cook the food thoroughly. The first test subject that he chose was a standard toaster pastry. The second test subject will be the more sophisticated toaster strudel. He decided to start with the toaster pastry. He sent a stupid lackey out to the supermarket to get the pastries, and the idiot came back with non-frosted, fruit-filled cardboard. That particular lackey will be washing jars for a week. It was strange to have the good doctor mention jars. He's been walking around with these jars all week. I wonder what that's all about. But back to the story. If you have never had an unfrosted toaster pastry, you are a fortunate person. Stay away from unfrosted cardboard. He then sent a not-so-stupid worker out, and they came back with s'more-flavored pastries. These are just a little bit of heaven. He would recommend these any day of the week. Heated, the marshmallow and chocolate form the most intoxicating aroma and taste anyone may ever experience. The toaster strudel was the most worrisome of the experiments. Going from freezer to cooked in a few minutes had his mind spinning. He measured the density and thickness. He superimposed his belief system to the conclusion that this would not function as expected. His belief was then realized with a cold-in-the-middle strudel. As it turns out, you need to microwave this treat prior to toasting. He applied the frosting as instructed. This too was faulty instruction. The frosting melted and most was wasted as it ran off the strudel. He spent a few hours contemplating a remedy. Then he used his brilliance and came up with a plan. After the pastry is cooked, hold it vertically and apply the frosting to the top as you eat. He will be putting out a video on this soon. I saw a preview and it's really not that bad. In his final analysis, he determined that the two government regulations are too, too many. He does agree with Sarah, though, that any government action should involve studying and assisting the propagation of the elusive flutterbird. A young scientist came up to him this week and said, why did you not incorporate the duck? He replied, little Elsie, you silly girl, the flutterbird is not a duck. This little bit of anecdotal evidence proves that we need funding for flutterbird awareness. And that's the end of this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and as always, enjoy the stupid.